What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 66 of the Tucson Pinball Podcast. Welcome to Wayne's World. So uh, this upcoming weekend and this previous weekend are two of the biggest pinball event type weekends in the entire calendar. And last year we had, or last year, last weekend we had Indisc, and then this upcoming weekend is all the uh, the NACS, the North American Championship Series. Uh, all those uh, tournaments are going to take place, and they all take place on the same day, so you can only participate in one of them. And then the women's state championships are going to uh, happen the next day on the Sunday. And I just happened to see that uh, yesterday, I think it was that I caught it, there's a thread on Pinside about uh, all the different links for all the different locations that are going to be streaming these events. And that's pretty awesome. So um, I actually kind of wanted to, to talk about streaming rigs and streaming pinball in general um, prior to Indisc starting. And actually, this this little bit of a delay has been kind of nice because now I got to do a little bit more research and that thread exists so I can, you know, not that I'm spreading the word to a ton of people, but I can spread the word and say, hey, there's there's links to all these different states. And if you want to, you know, either poke around and see how everybody does it or, you know, maybe gather some information or like, oh, they really did this well and I like that and maybe I'll, you know, talk to my local streamer person or, you know, whatever. So <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I actually had the the inkling of like, you know, I'm not playing in uh, the Arizona championship. So what if I tried to go stream it? And the eventual decision was like, no, better not. And we're going to talk about why. <laughs> so that's a little bit of jumping around. Um, but let's go real quick. Um to the time machine and we'll talk about last year. So um and I'm going to I'm going to talk about observations and some things are going to seem somewhat critical of the way people did certain things and uh, that's not really the intent here. These are these are observations. Anybody that is streaming pinball or attempting to stream pinball or, you know, attempting to learn how to stream pinball um that's uh, I will give you kudos and, you know, because more coverage, whether it's, you know, local or whatever, um, that's that's going to benefit the hobby in general. And, you know, how cool would it be if every single um, – I, I keep wanting to call it state championship, but Canada screwing everything up by having their own province things, and now it's all lumped into the NACS. So I can't call them state uh, because there are provinces, but um, – I'm in America, and we have states, and so I'm probably just going to keep using the uh, the state phrase. But no, in Canada, I recognize and understand that you guys have your provincial championships, and you know we're all playing pinball and we're all having a good time. So when I say state, I mean state slash provinces. But that's that's too much for me to to go through every single time. So, anyways, so last year. Um, Indisc, which is it never drains in Southern California, which is an IFPA major. It's a really big deal. They have tons of individual tournaments. It's not a single. It's an event that has multiple tournaments, and there's multiple open tournaments. Then there's a women's tournament. There's a youth tournament, and then there's like a senior finals for like how you qualify in the main in the open if you don't qualify for like A or B finals, but you still. There's like a senior bracket as well if you're over, I think, 55. So that's cool. I mean, and I, 
Is that everything? Well, I mean, besides, like, so they have the, the match play championship, they have Classics 1, they have Classics 2, the Open, and they have High Stakes. And that is the order in which they stream, not the order of importance. So that just happens to be the way uh, their their schedule works out. Well, last year, Indisc and Starfighter Pinball Festival was on the same weekend, and I was kind of sitting there playing Frogger, being like, "Do I? Which one do I go to? Which one do I go to?" And then it kind of got a little bit, you know, I was I was on the fence. I was still trying to figure out, you know, coordinating stuff. And then we kind of got down to the wire, and I was like, "Well, crap! I don't think I can get to Indisc just because logistics." And so then I was like, "Okay, well, let me reach out, see if there's any SPF tickets left." And there was, so I got one of those. And like, okay, cool. So now I'm going to Phoenix. Mesa. I'm going to Phoenix. <laughs> but, um, okay, we're going to do this. It's a P- Pimberg-style tournament. Uh, there was A, B, and C divisions, and they split evenly. And I was really excited about the format because I really miss Pinburg. Um, and so that, that sounded really exciting. It was going to be a slightly smaller version. I think there was uh, six qualifying rounds, and then finals would start instead of uh, maybe it was six, and then you go into your your divisions instead of, or maybe it was three, four, five. Anyways, Pinburg had five banks or five groups rounds um, for the first day. That would get you into your division, and there would be five more rounds after that to get into the top forty or attempt to um, top forty out of two hundred ish uh, in order to make finals on the final day, and. Uh, SPF was obviously heavily borrowing from that because that's a very well thought out format. It was, you know, very nicely refined and it was very enjoyable as somebody that did it multiple years. Um, I really love the Pinburg format. So anyways, SPF was, was kind of taking that, uh, smaller headcount. I think it was 120, 108, something in that ballpark. And they were going to run a three division Pinburg style tournament, which, sounded super awesome. And then uh, I got an email from one of my kids' school saying, your kid was in close contact with somebody that just tested positive for COVID. Yay. So uh, I think that was, mm, what day was that that we got that email? It might have been the Thursday before I was going to leave on like Friday midday, Friday morning, something like that. Because I think uh, there was some, some rounds that started on Friday evening. So it's like, okay, um, let's all test, I guess, (laughs) you know? So I, I had to go pick up my youngest, go pick up my oldest. And he was just like, why are you picking me up? And it's like, well, cause you guys play video games together and you're around each other constantly. And you know, if one of you have, has COVID odds are pretty good that both of you have COVID. So picked him up and we had some tests at the house. And so everybody tested and uh, my youngest that got the the close contact email, he was positive. Um, he had actually kind of started to do a little bit of sniffling, but, you know, COVID symptoms mimic pretty much everything else. And it's like, well, it's also chilly. So everybody has a runny nose right now <laughs> just because it's cold. Um, and my oldest tested negative, ironically enough. Um, my wife tested negative and I tested positive. Yes. And so here's the thing though. I, my entire time I had zero symptoms whatsoever. I felt great. Everything was, could not have been better. Right. Like, and 
playing hockey and everything like it I didn't even have any like respiratory issues and nothing nothing was going on nothing really stood out at all so um what am I going to do you know it was the thing was it was like the faintest of lines and I was just like maybe I'm almost over it maybe I'll test negative tomorrow <laughs> And so Friday mid-morning comes around. And so, you know, we, of course, go into full lockdown mode. And um, I'm, I work from home, and so I basically just stay in my office anyways. And it's like, okay, well, all I have to do is turn my chair around 180 degrees, and there's my Xbox. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll manage, you know, put my mask on when I go to the pantry. And, you know, I have guest bathroom right here, and it's like, you know, I can brush my teeth over here and it's like I can basically stay completely isolated from everybody else. Same with my youngest. Uh, boys had their own rooms at that point. Um, and so wasn't really a big deal. So Friday mid-morning comes around and I test again and it is the most solid positive line like you could possibly get. Like it was... Like the day before was faint. Today was not faint. Today was like, yeah, you're you're not going anywhere. So uh, that was that was the end of my adventure for the weekend. But the weekend was just beginning, and so what did I do? Well, um, I tuned into Indisc because uh, Carl has done a amazing job refining his streaming rig, and early in COVID. I don't, I don't even know the early in COVID. I think this was kind of in the works pre-COVID. Um, but uh, Carl and Phil Grimaldi had done a really good job kind of researching and kind of paving the way for uh, mobile streaming rigs. And so that was, you know, that kind of is has become the thing because it's way easier than having like 900 webcams because you need three cameras per game. And they have done this in Texas, and they've done it in Pinburg before, where they had three like Logitech C920s or whatever per game. And on the bank at at Pinburg, there's 12 games, and so they had they might not have had they might have had two cameras per, and then they had a floating uh, camera that they would use as like a, a display cam, and they would do it like over the shoulder. It was it was such a sweet rig. It was um, it was really cool. And actually, by the end, um, at Pinburg, they had a sled, and it would come up and over the curtain on the stage, and it it had this really cool, like, arching path that, like, it would bring the cameras down. And I think they had pan and tilt and zoom capabilities remotely, um, so they could, they could move the sled physically, and then they could kind of fine-tune the, the, the orientation of, like, the play field and the display um, once the sled was in place and you're not having to try to tweak something where if you shift it or twist it one way, it's actually going the opposite direction on camera. Um, it's, that would be really, really nice. So pan and tilt's really cool. And I'm pretty sure that the UK open, uh, with Neil McRae, uh, he actually built a clone wireless streaming rig, um, that I, I'm pretty sure it's backhand pinball went over from the States and managed that whole stream and Neil had literally cloned his setup, which is super awesome. Um, and I'm pretty sure there was pan and tilt capability on at least the display and maybe even the uh, the playfield cam. And I think there was some zoom capability. So really, 
all you need to do is get the rig up and over the game and kind of in the the ballpark of how you know far back over the game it needs to be and then you can remotely do all that stuff and probably do it without the players even really noticing um, not that you're doing it constantly but once you get it set up it's good to go but I, I did unless it was my eyes playing tricks on me I did swear I saw a couple times where things were kind of adjusting as play was going on it's like oh yeah that that fits a little bit better now so anyway so uh indisc has kind of become you know a it's a marquee tournament or event it's got multiple tournaments but it's also become one of the the marquee streaming demonstrations because Carl's rig is super cool and um, I, I don't even want to know <laughs> how much he's probably spent on the, the total of that thing. Um, it's, it's really amazing. So anyways, uh, I watched Indisc all weekend and, um, there was actually a couple streaming opportunities from SPF and it was really kind of interesting to see the differences. And these are, again, here are some observations. These are not critical things. These are, these are observations, right? So Indisc, I would say, is kind of like the gold standard. Um, IE Pinball is Carl's uh, Twitch channel, and like he does, he does a great job. Um, at SPF, they had, I think it was two static rigs over two different games, and then they had a room camera that would show like kind of a field of the room, and they, I, I don't really know how the connection comes together, but I think what they had was a event um, recording and broadcasting company come out and do their thing at SPF. And if you're not into pinball and you're not um, kind of well-versed with what what presents well, what presents best on like uh, a 16 by 9 display, <laughs> you know, on a, on a TV or on a, your phone or whatever, if you've never really seen some of the the layouts of of these streaming setups and how they have the the three different cameras and then you have another corner with opportunity for a little bit more information or your chat or standings or you know whatever it is like you've got kind of this this area that you you can use for whatever you need but you kind of have to have the play field running north south and that's you know it's tall and skinny and that's kind of a it's really weird as far as like how film presentation is like I can't think of anything else that has kind of the same ratio as a play field when you're trying to stream it. Like, it's just, it's just weird, <laughs> right? And then you've got, you know, you have to see the scores. Well, most games have, like, not most, but so games will have, like, a DMD or, you know, System 11s will have data in that similar spot or, you know, maybe... If it's police force, there's another display jumped around. But then if you go to Classic Bally's and even back into the EMs, you have your your displays and your reels are almost at every corner of the back glass. And it's like, well, you have to be able to to zoom out and adjust your camera in a way that you can see all that information or it's kind of pointless, right? So it's an extremely challenging thing to do. And this broadcast company came in and they, they... set up what I can imagine was like, okay, we're going to, you know, broadcast this presentation. And, and then they probably got there and were like, Hmm, this is a little bit weird and challenging and way different than what, you know, kind of a normal, you know, whether it was like, I picture them doing a great job at like a Ted talk, 
You know, they've got multiple camera angles. They can kind of go back and forth. They can pan over to the crowd or just have like one camera constantly on the crowd or whatever and cut to that every now and then. And it's like, it just, it just works. And a seminar is a seminar is a seminar, you know, like there's, there's only so much variation there. And then you go do pinball stuff and it's like, oh, this is so weird. Like, why would anybody try to do this? Like, this is, ugh. But so anyway, so I, I had the SPF stream on my computer, which if I'm sitting there watching Twitch on my Xbox, my computer is to my right, right? So I can, I can glance over to the right and I can look and do what's going, you know, see what's going on over there. And then I can look straight ahead and there's Indesk. And obviously the challenge with having two static camera rigs is if neither one of those games is played in that round, then what do you do? And there were at least one round that I remember, probably more, where you had, you know, nothing but a crowd shot of like all the people, you know, whether they're stepping up to a game or who's off to the back and kind of waiting for their turn, you know, just kind of all the players. And it's like, well, that's, that's, I thought it was cool because I wasn't there. So it gave me an opportunity and it was the first year they did SPF. So it gave me an opportunity to look and see what the, the layout of the facility was like, how do they have everything structured? Because, you know, they had all these games, but it was also kind of like ZapCon, you know, you could get a ticket and there was a free play area as well. And so me missing out completely on that, <laughs> I was able to, you know, experience a little bit of that without actually being there. Obviously I would have preferred to be there though. So it's pinball is a very unique challenge to, to stream. And, you know, there's, there's not to say that like static rigs are bad, you know? So Jack Danger is the only professional pinball player that has ever existed. And he uses a static rig. He has all of his cameras and all of his mounts and everything all set up. And he moves a game underneath that rig every single time he's going to stream and change things up. So he's moving the game and bringing it to the rig. And he has one of the highest, if not the highest following of, of pinball, um, you know, channels or he, he doesn't stream under the pinball channel. He streams under just chatting now, but like, you know, for pinball focused channels, he probably has the highest follower count, right? Um, we'll get to, <laughs> maybe I should just say why that's probably not true anymore. But so, and, and I say Jack Danger is the only professional pinball player that has ever existed because, you know, now he's, a, he is a stern employee, but he still streams under, under his dead flip channel. Um, but before he was hired on at Stern, I think it was three solid years that he did nothing but streaming and that was his job. He didn't have another job and that was, that was how he, you know, made his income. And I'm, and I'm aware of, you know, his wife was employed as well, but Hey, guess what? My wife works as well. So that's not uncommon. So Jack Danger is the only person that has made his living off of playing pinball and he did it for three solid years, which is pretty impressive. And it would be really cool if someday uh, that all changed and there were a handful or a hundred or a thousand, because if there's a thousand, I'd be included in that group, you know, people that were able to make pretty good money playing pinball. Um, but until that time comes, the current count is one, <laughs> right? So um, flash forward to this year and Indisc, uh, I, man, I, I, I got the notice and right, so it says IE Pinball has gone live, and it says what what tournament they're they're going to start streaming, 
and I think it was the women's was the first one that I noticed. And it's like you click on the app to go in and it's like, wait, two and a half thousand people are watching. Like there was like 500 people or 300 people or whatever watching yesterday, watching the end of classics or, you know, not maybe not the end. I, I don't even know. But like several hundred is kind of normal. If you get into the thousands, that means only one thing. That means you're on the front page of Twitch. And I think... And it happened multiple times over Indisc, and I think the first time that I'm aware that it happened was during the women's finals, and that was super cool. And then uh, when they were doing the open finals, front page over and over and over again, and then high stakes was later that day, so it was all just... Um, I don't think they got on the front page again, or may, I, I don't know even how that worked, you know, whether there's time slots or whatever. But at one point, there was 14,000 people watching Carl's channel. And I saw the bot just going left and right and left and right saying, thanks for the follow. Thanks for the follow. Thanks. for Like it was almost every other chat comment at, at one point where it was like, you know, there were so many new follows and that just shows the importance of, you know, the, the front page obviously, but also getting in front of people and, you know, they'll, they'll hang out and they'll watch for a little bit and some won't stay and some will, and some will follow. And some will be like, dude, like I haven't played this since I was six years old. And oh my gosh, I didn't know there was tournaments and this and that. And, you know, you've got some people on there and, and I don't know if they're trolls or potatoes where they're just like, oh, look at all this luck going around. And, you know, then you have, you know, the, the regulars in chat that are probably getting all huffy and puffy. And it's like, you know, just there's some random on the internet and they're probably just doing it to, to antagonize so you know whatever just wait till they say something stupid or vulgar and then they'll just get banned and then it, it doesn't matter so don't get worked up over the trolls just ignore them and hope they do something stupid enough to get them banned but anyways yeah like that was that was insane so um and again i'm i'm really curious about how many follows carl picked up over this weekend and i think he was producing for the most part, all of it, because uh, he didn't participate in, I don't think, any of the tournaments. I think Jim Belsito did in a couple, um, but Jim wasn't in any of the early ones that I'm aware of. So I think for the most part, Carl was producing a lot. So he was off camera, running the show, running the rig, and, you know, he he did a great job. And um, to be able to put on Indisc, you know, he's one of the people that puts on Indisc, and to not be able to play in it, like, Man, that would be so rough. I mean, a it's it's now it's it's probably the biggest opportunity out there. I mean, it's it's a major, and you have you know huge certification percentage bumps and all this stuff. And people are like, I don't know if it was like three hundred percent that it was expected to be at for the open, and you know all this stuff. I'm I'm really curious to see what the the points are going to be that were earned off this because I have a feeling they're just people are just going to leapfrog you know the previous standings if you did well at indisc and you weren't in the top you know whatever uh you're about to jump a lot of spots <laughs> so anyways so that is you know when i when i sit there and i look at like what is the gold standard of streaming for pinball and the the rig setup and everything it's definitely carl and I actually recently finally crossed what I would call the finish line for the most basic of mobile streaming rigs possible. Um, so I have I have a streaming rig. It's been semi-mobile for a while, and then I just kind of didn't really do anything with it. And then recently, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's finish this up and let's kind of you know do whatever. So I've had uh, the wireless receivers that set up for HDMI. Um, I've got the converter cards or the capture cards. 
Um, I've got all that. And the only reason why I wasn't wireless for a while now is because I didn't have batteries. I was always hardwired into the electrical. I was, I had power strips and I had all my cameras and the receivers or the transmitters were all running off of uh, a power strip instead of batteries. So I got the batteries. Uh, I printed out some battery holders. So now I can, you know, I've mounted those uh, to the frame. And my frame, like Carl's got this really nice 80-20. I call it X-tubing. And it's because if you look down the, the edge of it, it looks like an X because there's a channel on each, you know, it, it's a square. And there's a hole in the center where if you cut it short enough, you can like run a rod through there and like, you know, compress you know, a nut and a bolt and some washers around it and like grasp it that way. But the way Carl is using it and everybody else that has duplicated this is they're running some T-nuts into these channels on each one of the the sides of the squares um, as needed, whether it's to attach to other frames or, you know, whatever. So um, all the mounts and everything, they all slide into these, into these slots and it's, it's all cool. Um, mine is made out of wood. <laughs> so um, instead of using T-nuts and machine screws, I'm using just wood screws and just screwing right into it. Or my, my camera clamps, my camera mounts are just clamps that I, I took some goosenecks off of some um, lamps and put a quarter 20 screw through it and, and locked that into place and screwed my cameras onto that. And so now they, they just clamp onto the the two by fours and yeah, it's, it's pretty janky, but, um, it, it kind of, it kind of works for the most part. <laughs> so, um, the pros of my, of my setup are right now it is mobile in the room. Um, previously I would have to do some fancy stuff with the power cord and going from one wall to the other was probably not very practical because then the power cord would be, you know, running in the way and there's no real good way to get that out of the way. Um, because the legs are right there and it's just going to, I don't have enough slack to, in the power cord to get around that. So anyways, um, now switching over to the batteries, I got some, I think they're either 22,000, 22 and a half thousand milliamp hours or 26 and a half thousand or 26,000 or something like that. They're, they're over 20,000 milliamp hours each. I have two batteries. They have three USB plugins because you have three cameras and you have three, uh, receivers or, uh, transmitters for the entire rig. So you, you have six things that you need to power. And so between the two batteries, I have three plugins on each one. Uh, most rigs use three batteries just because it's, it's a little easier. Um, and I might end up that way, but, um, I got these batteries mostly because they have a display saying, you know, I'm at a hundred percent, I'm at 72%, you know, whatever. So I, I got them for that because they're convenient, but it was also kind of nice that they had three USB plugins. So um, for now, we're running two batteries. We'll see if I order a couple more um, and, and split that out a little bit more and get longer battery life out of that. But, you know, 10-hour battery life um, is my estimate right now. So that's kind of cool. Um, the wood frame, it was cheap. And so that's when you're when you're testing stuff out, you don't, um, you don't normally go with the expensive stuff first. Like first you're like, well, how big does it need to be? How tall does this thing need to be? Because it looks like an upside down U, right? It's a block U shape that's upside down. And then it has legs that run front to back on both sides, you know, where it would touch the ground. And I have casters on mine and it just, those are threaded into the feet and it's, you know, it's not the sturdiest of things, but you know, it, it works. 
Um, so anyways, right now, like here are some of my assessments for my entire rig right now. So the first thing is I think it's too tall. <laughs> um, I think most of these rigs are about seven feet tall, but I'm using two by four studs that were left over from a construction project and they are eight foot studs and I didn't want to cut them. So, um, just because I didn't know. So I was like, oh, let's use the full length first. And then if we need to, you know, modify the height, we'll, we'll do that. And I think because of when I'm not zoomed in at all on my playfield camera, um, I can definitely come down some. And so I can certainly like lower that height, which will just make it a little bit more stable as you're rolling around. And I've got a carpet that I've got to get off and on that's in between. It's in the middle of the room and it's kind of just an obstacle. So a little bit more rigidity in the frame would be kind of nice. Uh, the second issue, it's too wide. <laughs> and it's too wide for most games. Um, it's not that it's too wide in general, but, you know, this is kind of one of the things that I was like, well, if I went to Phoenix and tried to stream, um, oh, this would be a problem. Because at both Electric Bat and at Starfighters, um, I think the way they have their games, uh, they're just probably just a touch too close together. And that's not a problem. But the way that I have the cross frame on mine, it's wide enough so that I could get it over Laser Ball, which is one of those super wide body Williams games. And so, you know, it's it's wider than Paragon. And I think most rigs are set up to be able to stream Paragon. And they just assume that's kind of the widest game that they're going to run into. And if that's not the case, well, go stream a different game that round. <laughs> um, another issue is because it's wood, uh, one of the long legs is warped. And... Uh, so it's it's flexible in that I can get it around the feet and legs of a pinball machine, but um, it's definitely not perfect. So ideally, um, and I looked at it, it's like if only it twisted in the last foot of one of the, the extensions, I could just cut that off and then have a seven-foot rig and then everything would be fine. Um, but no, unfortunately, it runs the span of probably four to five feet where it starts to twist. And it's like, yeah, that entire piece of wood is just not going to work for this. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll work on replacing that as well. Um, next issue, uh, right now I have the uh, CX405 handycam, Sony handycam from my Playfield camera. That's you know kind of one of those things that people use unless they're using better stuff. Um, but then my Playfield or my player cam and my display cam are GoPro clones, and that's not really a problem for the player cam, but for the display cam it really is because there's no zooming option that's convenient. Um, and also these do have HDMI outs, but they give you like an exact capture of what you're seeing on the display of the camera. And it has like, how much film time do you have left? Or how much battery do you have left? Or like just this random stuff. And it's like, oh, it's 16 by nine and it's still focus. And you know, it's like, there's no way to, to turn those off where it's like, I just want to see what the lens is seeing. Don't show me any data. Don't show me any of that. So um, my, my streams that I've done, well, I'm just kind of like playing with the wireless stuff just to try to figure out, you know, if it works and, you know, how can I make it a little bit more reliable or whatever. Um, so far they've, they've all had that data and it's just kind of like, well, it is what it is. Kind of a bummer. Um, the main reason why I'm not going up to Phoenix to stream is because I'm using a PC that is inside of an enclosure or like a, a hutch cabinet type thing. And to take that out is such a rat's nest of wiring and everything. And it's like, you know what? I didn't, this is not supposed to be mobile. This was not designed to be mobile. And therefore, it probably should not be mobile. <laughs> so 
that's my biggest issue. And to you know, the the flip side of that is the receivers that are plugged into and hardwired into the the computer. Those are up on a shelf, and you know, then you have wire runs and all this other stuff. And it's like this just isn't. I just set this up because we just painted the house, and it's like I just got these shelves. I just put everything up here. I like I just ran all the wires, and it's like I don't really want to undo all this stuff. I'm just kind of. Yeah, just kind of not really feeling that. So um, an, an issue and you know that kind of follows along with that is this with this new shelf system, uh, the receivers are high enough, but I'm still trying to figure out what they prefer, like what is the best orientation for them to be able to get the signal. And same thing with the transmitters, like there's not like an obvious antenna. I think the body is just, you know, acting as an antenna. And it's like, well, do you want to be like from the corners? Because the front has like a display and some buttons and the back is where the wiring is. So I don't think that would be like a a good path for the best signal reception. And then maybe the sides is where it comes out of. But also Tom Graff has these receivers and I've seen his like tree looking thing where he has them and the top of the receiver is what faces towards the rig. And right now my, my receivers are just sitting flat on a shelf and my transmitters are sitting flat on the top of the, the frame. And that's about as far as I've gotten. But I have noticed that there is when I'm moving, you know, from one edge of the room to the other and I, I turn the rig around, I think the receivers or the transmitters are getting in the way of each other. And so I need to do like a, a step system. But then I also think I need to maybe put them up on end somehow and have that have the top be the thing that's most exposed as opposed to the sides. So there's a little bit of fine tuning that's going on there. And it's, it's a lot of trial and error. And sometimes it's just like, you just feel so defeated because it's like, I am out of things to try and nothing is working well. But um, when it's, when it's at a game, uh, it's fine. <laughs> um, at least what I can, you know, from what I've been able to gather, because when you're playing, it's kind of hard to look over at the computer screen and be like, yep, we're not missing anything. Like it, it hasn't frozen. Everything's good. Um, whether it's doing that hundred percent of the time, I have no idea cause I'm trying not to drain. Um, but that'll be something to work on. Uh, my camera mounts, I've already mentioned they're, they're fairly hokey. Um, they work, but it was definitely the, uh, the very, very alpha version of like, hey, what can we what can we use to to hold up some cameras? Um, and then the last thing on this is is the game lighting. So you'll see some lights or some rigs have uh, these nice light panels uh, that are also running off of a battery. So I might end up with three batteries no matter what. Um, so they and they they're low enough that you shouldn't be able to catch the glare as a player, um, and you also hopefully aren't seeing. Like just this, it's not light boxes and light panels. Like they're not actually like super focused light. It's just a lot of, a lot of light. So it's not blinding, but it's definitely noticeable. Um, so depending on the angle, like if, if you lean really forward, you might be able to see that and it might be distracting, but the way the the height and the angle and everything off the glass, you shouldn't be able to see any glare from that as a player. Um, so the goal is, is twofold. You need to be able to to see better. <laughs> you know, the cameras have to see a little bit better. So you have to have the, the light flooding the play field. So it has to come down. But it also can't come down so 
at such a shallow angle that like it's nothing but glare on the glass as well. So um, that's something that I don't have right now. I do have a light panel that I've used in the past. I just don't have it mounted. Um, it's always been on kind of a tripod because this was pre-mobile rig that I was that I was using that stuff for. Um, so let's see. Next thing on my notes, uh, Indisk versus SPF. I think we went we went over that. Uh, the only other thing that um, is really cool about uh, some of these mobile rigs is, and they're actually quite clever, is they have these umbrellas or covers of some sort to shield the glass from the overhead lighting because um, as a player, you know, glare is, is not something you really want, but it really picks up on camera quite, you know, it's it's a very sharp and noticeable thing. So just having some sort of a, a canopy or an umbrella or something uh, is, is something that it's kind of cool. Um, they're getting into to heights that most people can't adjust or deal with. Um, I did see Todd McCullough had to deal with um, that being like in his face. And it's like, so I, I don't even remember what event that was at, but someone, so I think they took the, the shade off at that point. And they were just like, you know what? It's like Todd is literally like eating this thing because he's tall enough that he can reach it. Nobody else, you know, is at that head height. But um, that's kind of, that's kind of not really polite so <laughs> i think they just pulled it um but yeah that's that's something to consider is you know whether it's a really short player or a really tall player you have to make sure that it it's not you know whether it's the lighting or the shade or whatever like you have to make sure that the rig isn't a hindrance to the player and so yeah there's there's a whole lot that goes into that and you know, streaming is something that I'd like to do. I'd like to do it on the games that I have here. At some point, I'd like to be confident and comfortable enough to take the rig out, and that might that might mean not having that PC anymore, or maybe taking it outside of of the enclosure that it's in and making it a little bit more accessible to to unplug and maybe not hide as many wires as much as my wife would love that. Um, so it was on my mind. I was gonna maybe think about streaming the Arizona state or maybe the Arizona women's depending on which location my rig would actually fit between the game. <laughs> um, and again, that's not a criticism of either location. Um, it wouldn't fit at TISC either. Cause I've got all my games are too close for that. Whereas at the house they're they're able to be spread out a little bit more cause I'm aware of the fact that my rig is wider than, um, than most games need need to be. So anyways, maybe, um, and then I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe I could get this stuff all tweaked and refined and comfortable with it. And I could go do that next year. And then I just happened to check that thread on Pinside, and, um, the electric bat has a Twitch channel and Starfighters has a Twitch channel as well. And they've done stuff in the past. And I think both of them have used static rigs, you know, to, to have over one game. And then they had like kind of a crowd camera where somebody was giving kind of, not instant play-by-play, -play, but because you just couldn't see from where they were sitting, maybe. Or, you know, it's streaming pinball is, it, and everybody that's tried to do this and has learned along the way, it's like, it's not that straightforward. You know, you think you got it all figured out, and then you get to a certain point, you're like, oh, now we have to account for this as well. You know, there's just so much that goes into it. So, again, I just want to say, you know, I appreciate everybody that, that streams pinball and, you know, if you're trying and it's working out or if you're trying and you're learning and like just it's it's all good, you know, like that's everybody can benefit from it. And, you know, if you try it and you're like, OK, next time I'd like to move this camera here or, you know, 
this or that, or, oh, this is the next piece of gear I want to get. Like that's, as long as you're kind of working towards your end goal, like that's, that's cool, you know? So it's, it's a big streaming weekend for pinball. There's going to be lots of options. Um, last, not last year, uh, when I went to New Mexico for their state championship, um, the, the family that I was staying with that I crashed with, uh, we actually finished up in time to be able to watch like the last round or two of we, and we were flipping back and forth between California and Washington. And that was, that was cool. So the fact that there's multiple time zones that all this stuff is going on in, you know, like if you're an East coaster, you can go do your thing and then go home and maybe catch the tail end of, I don't know if Colorado's getting a stream or not, or, you know, but some of the West Coast stuff. And if you're a West Coast person, you can probably catch the beginning of things out East. I, I don't really know um, who all is going to be streaming out East. I it's It was a pretty small list to begin with, um, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be stuff covered, you know, hopefully in East, West, and central areas um but yeah so go check out the the thread on pinside um i might link it in the show notes i don't typically link anything in the show notes um but yeah i might throw that in there uh just because i know it would be a little bit easier than me saying go find it you know it's like here i know where it is i'll here it is um but yeah and if you're in your state competition best of luck to you um if you're not in your state competition and you're going to go hang out and be a spectator. If I don't think that's banned anywhere. I don't, I don't think when it was down in D and D um, and we would do this, like we only had only, we only had like half, half of D and D and then the front half would all be um, for coin drop play, you know, for, for casuals to come in and play. So they didn't have to actually shut down the entire arcade for us. Um, you know, but yeah, if, if you're not, going to be on site, then check out some of these channels. And, you know, even, even if it's a state that's not yours, you know, check it out, see what it's, see what it's like. And, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a setup that is able to, to broadcast the way they'd like to. And, you know, if, if it's not the, the coolest production you've ever seen, go easy on them, you know, maybe just kind of take a mental note and be like, maybe they're, maybe they're learning the ropes. Maybe it's their very first stream ever. And they're just like, man, we wanted to get it done in time for state and we just wanted to have it broadcasted so the players could go back and watch it and, you know, have something to show their friends or whatever. Like, there's a whole lot of excitement that could go along with all this stuff. So, um, as always, just kind of, you know, be nice to those that are learning and understand that there are people that are really, really good at streaming because they've done it for several years at this point and they've invested a lot of time and a lot of dollars into being able to get that far. And if somebody's not there you know, yet they, they might be able to get there someday. And it's a learning experience for everybody. I'm sure Carl learned a few things, uh, this last weekend, especially being on the front page of Twitch. And then all of a sudden getting essentially raided by the front page of Twitch. And it's like, Oh, we have 14,000 people. I hope my auto mods are, you know, or my bot mods or whatever the heck they call them. Like, I, I hope we don't have any, any chaos in chat, you know? And it's like, he might not have ever had 14,000 people in his channel before and be like, okay, with a thousand, like I can probably, you know, cover all the the stuff that gets talked about. And if we have somebody that's, you know, getting a little snarky or, you know, inappropriate, I did see a couple comments disappear on the fly. So um, whether it was an auto mod or whether it was Carl sitting there going and you get a ban and you get a ban and you get a ban, you know, when you have, 
when you have 14,000 viewers, uh, losing one or two bad, <laughs> bad commentators or bad commenters, um, that's not so bad of a thing. So anyways, um, again, best of luck to everybody. Uh, enjoy the streams that are available and yeah, I'll catch you next time. Party on. Party on, Wayne! Party on, Garth! It's Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Party time! Excellent! And we're clear.